Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Veterinary Journal Club. I am super excited to welcome back to the podcast, Sam Hollister. Sam, welcome back. Hey, Dr. Conner. I'm glad to be back. Thanks it, for having me. It's good to have you on the show. So um, this one is, uh, this was Sam's idea. So Sam reached out and said, hey, I have an idea for a show, and I think it'd be really cool. And um, the the brief description he gave, I thought, yeah, that, that does sound pretty good. Um, but I'm going to let you sort of take over from here um, and explain what your idea was and, and where it came from. And, uh, and then I, I don't actually know exactly what it is we're going to do today. So, um, so you can take over the hosting responsibilities from here on out. And, uh, and so, yeah, good luck to you. All right. <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, you. well, you know, I've been, uh, like other, I think probably other fourth year veterinary students probably around the country been studying for boards coming up. Um, I know a couple of my classmates have actually taken them already, um, but I think the bulk of us have them, you know, still still upcoming and studying for that obviously has been a big part of our uh, our fall semester. So, um, you know, I, I use a uh, um, you know commercially provided uh, vet or uh, yeah veterinary exam kind of uh, prep. Uh, is it the vet prep? Is software. that the one you're using? Yeah, yeah, There's exactly. that one so, and like Zuku, I think, is the other one I've heard of. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't sure if we should name drop it. Cause, yeah, we you know, can name I, drop it, whatever. Okay, right on. So, yeah, I've been using vet prep to uh, <laughs> prepare. And, um, and you know, some of the questions, you know, I come across, I just, I have to laugh at, quite honestly, because it's just, you know, they'll ask something that, it's just something I would never, ever consider retaining in my head for any longer <laughs> than this exam coming up. And Fair. then, you know, just really be purged out of there. And, and yeah, I guess, you know, my, my idea was just to, you know, present some of these questions to you and, and really just kind of find out from someone that's, you know, been in practice for, you know, a number of years now, you know, are, are any of these questions still relevant to you? And, yeah. um, you know, am I, am I right to be thinking that, um, you know, they just don't really have any uh, relevance to, you know, what I, what I intend to do after school, which is, you know, small animal medicine. So, yeah, well, I think you have to make that distinction, right? Like, so the board exam is for everybody and we still mm-hmm. have one, the NAVLI is still for all veterinarians. So whether you're going to go into public health, you know, um, uh, porcine medicine, avian medicine, dogs and cats, horses, cats, like it's one exam. And so they have to sort of, you know, try to make sure everybody knows a little bit of everything. Um, it, it is because it's, you know, covering everybody, it, it, they, they kind of do the proportions of like, what are the, what's the average vet going to do or um, what mm. proportion of veterinarians are going to go into this field. So it's certainly more heavily weighted, um, on the small animal side, because that is the majority of, if you just take all the veterinarians and what they do collectively, it's mostly small animal medicine, um, but there's still a lot of those. And so like, you know, equine medicine is another big chunk um, and then uh, other production animals, and then it gets smaller and smaller from there. But um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, your, your, your point makes the argument to, uh, to potentially have separate board exams, right? Like depending on what you plan on doing. Um, but what it means yeah. um, that they have it this way is that you have some flexibility. So when you graduate, you've passed the NAVLI and you, you start doing uh, dogs and cats and you're like, you know, this isn't really my bag. I don't really love this. And I think I miss working with horses and you can, you can change your mind or, um, so that's the advantage, um, of having it the way it is, but it means that, yeah, for boards, you got to know a lot of stuff that you're like, I'm never going to use this. Um, and some of yeah. it you probably won't ever use, but they're writing the exam for everybody. So 
Yeah, you know, and I've, I've talked about, you know, the exam obviously been a topic of conversation among my classmates as well. Sure. And, you know, we've definitely brought that up. Like, obviously, it is, it is preparing, you know, veterinary students to practice in, you know, whatever field of veterinary right. medicine uh, they like, like you mentioned. And, you know, I think we just, it's such, it's such a unique profession in that it encompasses such a wide breadth yeah. of information. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think to what you're saying, you know, should, should the board exam be more specific, you know, could, if a student wanted to choose to take a more focused exam and then maybe they're licensed in just small animal medicine, yeah. you know, would that, would that could be a choice in the future? Maybe. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. You know what? You get to be part of that conversation once you pass it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's funny, like until you pass the exam, you don't get to really have a say in that, but like p- people who feel strongly about it, you, you know, can make that a thing. I feel like there's mm-hmm. rumblings about that kind of thing, but nothing that's ever really taken hold. Um, so it would take a, a dedicated group of veterinarians to be like, you know what, we actually think that this is a priority and we should, um, like you said, maybe it's option. Maybe, you know, you have, okay, you pass the, the general NAVLE and that allows you to change your mind. Um, mm-hmm. Or, but like for me, I, technically I could go and practice on horses tomorrow um, legally. Um, mm-hmm. morally and ethically, that's not a thing I would do. Um, I, if I did decide to change, I would want to go back and do continuing education and, and do some extra training. And I wouldn't necessarily go back to four years of vet school. And I don't think I would need four years of vet school to go and work on horses, but, um, I would certainly need, you know, maybe do an internship or two or something. Um, yeah. but I, that's not legally required of me. Um, so you could make the argument that, um, you know, if you were going to change your mind down the road, you still could, you're still a DVM and you can still can do that. But if you want to practice in this particular field, um, and be licensed in that field, maybe then you would need to go back and demonstrate that you could pass that part of the board's exam. Um, so anyway. yeah, I, I would really hope so, because I mean, honestly, you know, coming out of vet school, I would not feel qualified to practice, you know, in really any realm outside of, you know, my yeah. specific focus that I've really, you know, been. And honestly, that attitude is probably why this system has worked and why they haven't gone around changing it is because most veterinarians are going to do that. They're going to be like, you know what, I'm really not qualified to do that. So I'm not going to do it. And Mm -hmm. if I know veterinarians who have changed their mind over the years, and they did have to go back and do some extra training or, you know, do more apprenticeship or have more supervision when they made that switch. So, I mean, I think we as a profession are inherently pretty, you know, pretty moral, honorable, ethical people. And, and so in that self-policing world, um, it, it's probably why there hasn't been a big push to change this because it, it hasn't been an actual problem. Um, and also most people still do passports. So yeah, even if yeah, you have no to try fair. a second time, like, you know, <laughs> most of us get through it. But um, however, what you're talking about, though, is just like the mental toll it's taking on you while you're studying and thinking about like, do I really have to know all this? And is it okay if I'm just learning it for the exam with my plan to forget it later? Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel bad saying that maybe and you know, maybe my attitude that I'm so focused on one thing, you know, I, I, I like to think that I've kept a pretty open mind through that school and, um, you know, really enjoyed all of my rotations outside of the small animal world. But, you know, my experience prior to vet school and you know, it was really my experience during vet school has continued to shape my direction, you know, more towards that path. So yeah. I just really do struggle, you know, trying to, you know, just fit more information in my head when there's just already so much I feel like I, I do want there. Yeah. And so your plan to drive this point home was to publicly humiliate me, essentially. Right? That's, your, that's, your, that's your big plan, right? Um, well, to be fair, you know, all the questions that I'm planning on asking you these, this uh-huh. afternoon, this evening, these are all questions that I've already gotten wrong probably a couple oh. times myself. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So these are actual from your vet prep. These are vet prep questions. Is that what yes, this is? Okay. Yes. Okay. So these are, so they're multiple choice, right? There are multiple choices. Okay, so I have um, I have a chance to get these. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think there's you know, <laughs> a one between, in four chance. Yeah. 
Uh, up to six choices. Oh, sometimes. really? Okay. It'll make it that easy. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, I will say some of them, you know, just having a general knowledge of like um, physiology or, or, you know, medicine, you know, to a certain extent can apply, you know, across species in a lot of ways. Yeah. So some of the, the answers you can pretty quickly eliminate, but you sure. know, in some cases you just, you, you know it or you don't. Yeah. But multiple choices is, is challenging. It's actually from exam types, multiple choice is my least favorite. Um, however, yeah. in this particular situation where you're potentially going to ask me questions or I would struggle to even come up with a reasonable answer from scratch, I'm, I'm a little bit relieved to have at least some choices to, to, to go with. So, um, but so that's your plan is to, to basically drive home the point that you can be a successful veterinarian because I, I feel like it's fair to describe me as a successful veterinarian. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And and so you can be a successful veterinarian and either forget a lot of the stuff that you once had to know because you're not using it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or it's okay if you didn't learn everything because I'm sure some of the things you're going to say, I'm like, somebody maybe tried to teach me that at one point and either I learned it and and you know was fortunate enough to get enough right on the NAVLI that I, I was able to miss some of those um, or... Um, uh, you know, or it's changed enough, or I've just forgotten it since then. Um, yeah. All of these are possible, but um, we'll see. So um, what do you think? You ready to get started? And to to be clear and to be honest, I have not seen any of these questions before. I, I didn't do any studying. I've been working this week. I haven't had time to study for a, a pretend uh, board exam. Um, so none of this, this is all, this is the first time I'm seeing this. And I didn't even know until just now that this is how you were going to do it. So um Yes, yeah. that is true. I, I can confirm that you know I've not <laughs> sent these uh, these questions to Dr. Connor. You know, nope. uh, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they're going to believe that pretty soon. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to question it. But I, I'm hoping if I get one or two, I'm hoping to surprise you with uh, uh, getting a couple of them right here and there. You never okay, know. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's a good <laughs> there's a good mix, you know. So right. I, I that will get through all the ones that I kind of picked out. But all we'll, right, we'll let's go. All right, are you ready for the first let's one? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, your first question. Which of the following E. coli is most commonly found in post-weaning diarrhea in pigs? Oh, I totally know this. All right. Bring okay. it. No, I don't. All right. So your first option is uh, O157H7. Number two option is F5K99. The third option is F4K88. The fourth option is f 41 and the fifth option, the last one, is F6987P. All right. Well, whenever you're taking multiple choice exams, it's always a good idea to go with your first instinct. So I'm going to say that first choice is the one I would go with. That would be incorrect. Darn it. Yeah. So we're talking about the F4KA8. Oh, that was definitely going to be my second choice. Um, yeah, this is not walking around knowledge for, I would argue, anyone. I feel like yeah. if you study E. coli specifically, that is your primary thing. You might struggle with this because that's just like a ridiculous, like I can't remember my passwords when, you know, and it's like, we're going to suggest this password for you. And it's just like this scrambling of letters. I'm like, why would any, you can't use that because then you have to write it down. And then that defeats the purpose of having a pat. That's what I feel like. That's how I feel like they got the, these <laughs> numbers and letter combinations for E. coli. Who are these people who name these? Can't they name them like Fred and Jim? Anyway, yeah, I know. It's, it's, I have to really agree. You know, when I saw this question, I was like, in, in what 
profession, you know, what area of veterinary medicine would someone need to have this information? In their and head? if anybody I mean, out there is planning on going into, this was a pig question, right? That's like, yeah. I already forgotten. Um, uh, if anybody's out there is like, oh yeah, I, that's definitely something you need to know. Please chime in, send us a message and I, we'll give you a shout out on the next one. But I can't imagine under what circumstances that would be like, oh, I need to know that clinically. And I don't have, I can't possibly look it up. Um, so, all right, I'm 0 for 1 so far. Yeah, and that was a hard one to start because I really threw, you know, a bunch of... No, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay missing those. Actually, like, yeah. you keep throwing those at me. I'll be like, cool, I have no problem not knowing the answer to that. <laughs> what I'm really worried about is you asking something that I feel like I should know. Um, that was not okay. one of those. <laughs> All right. Well, let's try Let's try a different... Uh, let's see. This is not specific to any specific species. So okay. General knowledge. Here we go. All right. In copper deficiency, animals may suffer from achromotrichosis pale hair coat as a result of this enzyme not working properly. What is the enzyme? Uh, option okay. A, tyrosinase. Option B, lysyl oxidase. Option C, myophosphorylase. And option D, glutathione peroxidase. Okay. So they have a pale coat. Um, okay. Name, name those again for me. There's a couple okay. dots just because I'm, I don't know. I'm going to try to reason through it. Yeah, no, that's fair. The first one is uh, tyrosinase, tyrosinase. Tyrose. Okay, so that like I'm thinking of tyrosine, which is yeah. an amino acid, and so an enzyme that breaks down tyrosine. That's not the first thing I would think of. So I'm going to say no to that one. All right. The second one is uh, lysyl oxidase. So lysyl oxidase. This is another amino acid thing. So I'm like, crap. Maybe I shouldn't have eliminated the last one. Um, so we're oxidizing a lysyl. So it could be that one. I'm going to keep that one on the list. I'm not sure. It could be B. All right. What's next? All right. Um, I really enjoy your thought process through this, by the way. <laughs> yeah. um, myophosphorylase. Myophosphorylase. So myo is thinking muscle, which would mean not hair. Um, so, but uh, unless it, I don't know. I mean, you do have muscles at like the at the follicle, but I'm going to say probably not that one. I'm going to I'm going to go with no because I didn't like the myo yeah. prefix there. And the fourth one. All right. The fourth one, this is the last one, is glutathione peroxidase. So glutathione peroxidase, I mean, that's going to be in the liver. It's going to be important for all sorts of things to protect the liver, but I wouldn't really think of it as being for like the hair follicles of the first. So I'm going to go with B, their second one. Okay. That is not correct. Dang it. it correct answer is tyrosinase. Dang it. All right. I did... Those would have been my two because those were the two amino acid ones, but I don't remember yeah. tyrosine being really important for the color of your coat. Darn it. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. I didn't think so either. Um, but I at least was confident eliminating the fourth one. <laughs> yeah, and I got to say. I know it's I, not you know, glutathione I, peroxide. Like, that one's good. <laughs> anyway. Um, I got to say, you know, I'm not being facetious when I say I enjoy hearing your thought process. Because it, it helps me think about how to look at yeah. these questions. Well, too. and that's what I would do, right? Like, if I'm taking yeah. a multiple choice question, I'm like, well, let, what do I know? And so, you know, I would have got, I got it down to two, the 50-50 once the two amino acids. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, a very logical approach. You know, these like <laughs> biochemistry questions. I just go with the one that I most recognize, I think. Sometimes. Right. Which is why that fourth one was in there. But I was like, I yeah. feel like I can eliminate that one. That one's very specific to the liver. That's not going to be with the fur. Um, so, you know, I, I at least got it down to one out of three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Very All good, right. very good. All right, All right. for two. Well, Here we go. <laughs> okay, so question number smart? three. All right, what is the main vector of heart water disease? Heart water disease? Mm -hmm. Heart water disease? 
Yes. You okay. So correctly. you didn't, at least you're not asking me what heart water disease is because. <laughs> well, you, you have to know, I guess, to answer the question. You, well, no, you, no, I can answer it. It's fine. I don't need to know what heart water disease is. All right. Let, okay. uh, they want to know the vector. Okay. So Correct. name me some insects. Let's hear about it. All right. I These are actually going to be. Um, huh, they're going to be mammals and stuff. Ticks. Okay. Different. Oh, different specific species of tick. Got it. All right. I'm All ready. Right. All right. Option A, mm-hmm. uh, Ripicephalus. Okay. So you're not even going to give me the common names. You're going to give me the scientific names. Okay. I'm, Got I'm it. giving you what was given. To no, me. I know. I know. No, I know. I'm not saying you specifically, but yeah, you did yeah, pick no, exactly. these out for me. <laughs> um, okay. Option B, Dermacenter. Dermacenter. Okay. Option C, uh, Amblyoma. Okay. And option D, Bufilus. Okay. I'm going to eliminate the first two because those are tick species that I've come across. Um, and I'm not familiar with this particular disease or at least the name heart water disease. Maybe it's got a different name. I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with the fourth one, D. Bufalus is not correct. Dang it. It is amblyoma. You are correct to eliminate the first two. Dang it. I'm really good at this. So this is actually what always happens to me when I take a multiple choice exam. I narrow it down to two choices and then inevitably. So like you'd think if I just blindly chose one out of four, my odds would be one in four, right? Like that makes sense. And if I get Mm -hmm. it down to two, it'd be 50-50. And it turns out if I can narrow it down to two, my chances of getting it right become zero. Zero percent chance. I'm so bad at guessing when I narrow it down. I should probably just stop listening to the answers, uh, the choices you give me and I should just pick one. But okay. Oh, for three. Awesome. for three. Yeah. Look so, at me go. <laughs> not, not doing great. To be fair, you know, when I went through this, I also had, you know, a lot of questions that I answered pretty confidently. So you're not you giving know. me those ones, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving you the all ones. All right. That I all right. That's okay. This is more fun, honestly. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. This is, this is actually a question that I think would be maybe relevant for a practitioner in this field. Okay. But let me know if, you know, as an emergency small animal clinician, if this seems relevant. Okay. Okay. Nice. Uh, which of the following is the most effective way of synchronizing lactating pigs? Okay. Yeah, this does seem relevant. Like if you, um, and I feel like I learned about this. So, okay, let's, let's hear okay. these answers. I, I might, I might right. have a chance. I'm in with a chance on this one. All right. So option A, uh, use a majesterol um, acetate implant. Okay. <laughs> Option B, introduce a new male. Mm. Option C, batch wean at three to four weeks. Okay. And then option D, the last one, two shots of PGF2 alpha uh, given 11 to 14 days apart. Okay. So I have like this vague recollection, vague recollection that this is not going to be like a hormone supplementation. This, oh, this is the most effective way? Correct. Oh man, crap. I might've just talked myself out of that, but no, I'm going to go with that. All right. So I feel like it's going to be either introducing the new, um, male or, um, weaning them on like a, a, a schedule. Okay. Read me the question one more time. Which of the following is the most effective way of synchronizing lactating pigs? So it's the lactation would, is it that you're, you're trying to stop lactation um, in a certain thing. Cause that, I'm going to go with the, you know, the, the third one that was like weaning the pigs at a certain time. That's what I'm going to say. Final Batch answer. Batch weaning at three to four weeks. That's the correct answer. Great Whoa. Job. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot you were going to cheer for me. I don't have to cheer for myself. 
woohoo. I feel like there was something yep. tickling the back of my brain. Like I learned something once a long time ago and that one made um, a little bit of sense. I was like, I don't think you have to give them drugs for that. I feel like I remember learning that. There, that is funny. <laughs> how there, there, you know, there'll be questions like this. Well, there'll just be something. Yeah. That yeah. just gives you a little tickle back there. Yeah. 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 Give you some hope. But, um, but I agree. Like that's something that if that's the field you work in, it's probably mm-hmm. a reasonable question um, yeah. as, as opposed to some of the other ones that you have asked. Um, I wouldn't say that I was super confident in the answer. Like I wouldn't take that if you had given me that and like, go talk to this farmer and explain like, mm-hmm. why? I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not that confident there. Um, but you know, one out of four, look at me go. I got, I'm, 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 if the pass rate for the exam is 25%, I nailed it. Yeah. You're <laughs> All right. Yeah. I know I had narrowed it down similarly to you and I, yeah. I you know, chose the, uh, the introducing the new nail choice, so. Yeah. I just decided yeah. like, you know, I don't know if that's going to affect like their lactation so much. Cause I feel like at that point you're more thinking about their like estrus cycle. Um, like I could mm-hmm. see the males affecting that. That's why I decided to go the other route for what that's Yeah. Worth. But and my yeah, logic might know. be completely inappropriate for this particular question. But it's how I got to the answer, which turned out to be right. So, you know, you should totally trust me on that. <laughs> All right. I'm on a roll. Here we go. Let's see if I can get two in a row. All right. Here we go. So let's see. Question. Are we on four now? I think, that, oh, I think that was four. This is the fifth question. Yeah. The fifth question. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which of the following is not a cause of metabolic bone disease in reptiles? In reptiles. Okay. All right. I'm already thinking. So right now, before you even give me the answers, I'm thinking like just, is this like specific nutrition things or like broad categories? Um, That's okay. Just read I mean, the answers. I don't know. I'm okay. just trying to, I'm trying to like, you know, for good test taking, like I want to think about what I think the, the answer yeah, is. Yeah, no, be. I'm sure you probably so, got some ideas yeah. of where you're going. Which already. of the following is not a cause? This is already a crummy question, if that's the question. Yeah. Yeah, you're not yeah. supposed to ask those negative questions. But all right, anyhow. All right, which so of the not following a is cause. not? Got it. I'm ready. Not a, okay. So the first option is a low calcium diet. That's clearly a cause. That's got to be a cause. The second option is a lack of ultraviolet light. Ooh, ah, ooh. Okay. I mean, for people, we need it for vitamin D, um, for calcium. So I kind of like that one. Okay. This mm-hmm. is all husbandry stuff, which is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like that's probably right. not the answer. All right. Next. Uh, option C would be a high calcium to phosphorus ratio. Hmm. That's a little more complicated, but all right. High calcium to phosphorus, because that would affect your absorption of calcium. All right. I got to think about that. Maybe. Uh, all right. And then option D, which is the last one, would be vitamin D deficiency. Okay. Well, that just seems too obvious. Okay. So it was literally a low calcium in the diet mm-hmm. is not a cause of nutritional bone deficiency. That, that's the question, right? Yeah. So it's actually which of the four is not a cause of metabolic bone disease metabolic, in reptiles? Metabolic bone disease. Okay. So UV light, I feel like the UV light's pretty important. I don't know if it's important for um, calcium handling and things like that, but I feel like there's a good chance that it is. Um, and then vitamin D deficiency, again, I'm assuming they mean dietary vitamin D deficiency, but either way, um, I'm going to go with C. Yeah. The further, the calcium phosphorus ratio I'm going to say is not important. You're correct. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now I'm really on a roll. All right. I've gotten right. two in a row. So I, uh, I think okay, my pass rate, I think I'm at 40% on this exam. Yeah. So far. Yeah. You're doing <laughs> right, better than we're doing. On, so I've got a, <laughs> some harder questions. It looks like. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, this is, I like that. I can reason through them a little bit. There's a little bit. And sometimes, you know, I'll get reptile stuff. Um, but yeah. All right. The calcium phosphorus ratio just didn't, didn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. What else you got? Okay, let's see here. 
Oh, you're really looking for a harder one, aren't you? <laughs> um, well, some of these I thought were just really interesting. Yeah, uh, that's fun too. Little factoids to know. So, you know, hopefully, if we go through them, maybe uh, yeah. put them out there for other people to know. That's right. All right. Um, so, your next question: A multi-finch aviary is having an outbreak of ill birds. Uh, the owner brings one of the affected birds to you, and it is dis- dysmic with pronounced expiratory n- noise. Okay. Uh, you suspect, sorry, you suspect the bird has sternostoma tracheolocolum. <laughs> I definitely suspect that. <laughs> As so wait, I. say that one more time. Sterno, what, what, what? Yeah, let me, let me slow down, make sure I get it right. Uh, uh, sternostoma tracheocolum. Oh, you know what that sounds like? It's, there's like a stoma at your sternum and tracheocolon or colum? Colum. Okay. Sternostoma tracheocolum. So there's like a fistula. And your sternum to your trachea. Okay. I don't know. That's what it sounds like. All right. Yeah. So, and to be fair, you know, when you read this, the sternostoma, there's a capital S trachea column. So it seems like oh, it's, it's describing like it's an organism. An organism. Yeah. Oh, all so right. You should know that, you know. As fair. Far as okay. Question. All right. That's fair. So it, it's like genus species. Yeah. Darn it. Um, I thought it was a cool syndrome where they put a hole yeah. in their chest. Okay. Maybe that's all what right. this thing causes though. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Uh, so the question oh, yeah. is, What's the question? <laughs> a helpful test to aid in the diagnosis would be what? Okay. Help. Right. Can we do PCR for this? <laughs> um, is that not one of the options? All right. That is not, unfortunately. A helpful yeah. test. This is a the weird question. Is this helpful? So the rest, are, I only have to find one that's helpful. Yeah. Okay. Let's go for it. All right. So option A, fungal culture of the trachea. Okay. Um, option B, the aspergillus titer. Okay. Option C, tracheal transillumination. And option D, the last one, the radiographs of the nasal passages. Of the nasal passages. See, I really wanted to do radiographs, but not of the nasal passages of a finch. That seems ridiculous because, okay, I like the tracheal illumination thing, but let me think on this for a second. The, what you described, I guess it could be a fungus, but uh, gosh, it's a bird thing. Okay, I'm thinking... It's going to be the first one or the third one. I don't think the aspergillosis makes sense because then you would call it, well, it, you would call it aspergillosis, right? Mm-hmm. Bird people I wouldn't would come up so. with a whole new name for it. And then the nasal passages, they're saying it's a breathing problem and it's an ex- increased expiratory noise. That would be more inspiratory. So I feel confident narrowing it down to the tracheal illumination or the fungal culture. And I, I'm going to go with the tracheal illumination mostly because it sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, All right. You'd be correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was really cool. You know, I don't really ever think of taking a yeah. flashlight to our small animal patients yeah. to like look through them. But you yeah, know, what, but especially if do. this disease causes little holes in your trachea, which is what it sounds like it causes. I don't know if that's true, um, but maybe that's what you're looking for. Like maybe it starts to erode like the trachea in some way. Well, the explanation actually got it oh, here. So that cool. the organism is referring to the air sac mite, apparently. Oh, it's a mite. Okay. Yeah. So it's a mite and oh, it can sometimes be visualized within the trachea of these tiny birds. Like you see wet the feathers and then oh. the light source across it. And you can just see, see them crawling, crawling around. around. Ew. Yes. Oh, pretty so, wild. That's terrible. I'm so glad <laughs> we don't get that. I'm sorry, little finch. Um, yeah. Cool. I love those kind of tests, though. Like that—that that was a good one. That—that's a yeah. pretty cool factoid. I feel like I might remember that for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Probably only that long. Yeah. Well, the honest. nice thing is, like, I haven't forgotten it since. You know. Oh so. yeah. See, there you go. So yeah. you know, you're never going to get that on boards, though. <laughs> Probably not. Really. Now that you've now that you got it on your on your vet prep. Um, okay. I think I'm at fifty percent right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Look at me go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, I, I got to like, say, I'm going to be the one embarrassed at the end of this. No, know? no. But I think like, okay. So I am generally a pretty good test taker, right? Like mm-hmm. that. And, and, you know, some people are better test takers than others. And it's not necessarily about how smart are you, but I will say that is something. And, and I am talking through like, this is how I talk through it. Um, is I just, I, this, or no, I, I wouldn't talk through it during the exam. That'd be kind of rude for the people next to me, but this is how I would think through the process is I would like, I have no idea with this, but what are the context clues in this question? And because, you know, you get through vet school, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, even just a lot of these suffixes and prefixes and, um, you know, so, and then a little bit of luck goes a long way from, especially for yeah, multiple for choice sure. questions. So, um, but that's not what's happening here today. The, the, Questions I've gotten right have been straight knowledge. Um, <laughs> the ones that I got wrong was because those were poorly written questions. Um, I think that's Yeah, really- I usually feel the same way when I get the <laughs> questions wrong on vet prep. It's yeah. more of a critique of the, the question being written a certain way. Yeah, it's definitely the question writer's fault. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I've got 50% and I, you know, I don't think we can stop here. Um, I, no. think we, I think we have to find out at least on the, I think maybe one more question and we're going to find out if I'm above the 50% mark or below. Um, so I, I, I like, all right, give it, give it your best shot. Let's see if I can, uh, I can reach that 50% mark. Okay. This is a good one. Okay. Uh, this is one of my, my recent favorites here. Okay. So we'll, we'll end on a good one if, okay. if we do. All right. So the question is classic red leg syndrome, quote unquote, classic in, <laughs> classic. in frogs is okay. a result of blank. Okay. Classic, classic. Oh, those red leg frogs. Um, okay. Classic red leg frog syndrome is a result oh, yeah. of blank. Got it. Okay. Red leg syndrome in frogs. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Red leg syndrome right. in so, frogs. Okay. So option A, <clears throat> the environmental toxins. Maybe. I don't know if I like that one though, but okay. Maybe. Uh, option B is courtship. Ooh. I do like that. Okay. But I feel like you wouldn't call it a syndrome. Um, but yeah. okay. All right. But I, I like that one. Yeah. Like, yeah, your legs get red because you're, you know, trying to attract a mate. Makes sense. Who knows what these frogs do, you know? Right? I mean, yeah. But I don't feel like you'd call it a syndrome. Anyway. Okay. All right. Option C, bacterial septicemia. Hmm. Mm, maybe. Probably not, but maybe. And then option D, the last one is fungal infection. Okay. All right. So... I'm going to make an assumption that red leg syndrome means only the frog's legs are red. Okay. So if I'm basing this on that assumption, then, um, and the fact that they called it a syndrome is why I'm eliminating the second one, even though that was pretty cool. I'm going to be, I'm going to be sad, but also happy if that turns out to be the right answer, but I'm going to be annoyed that somebody called it a syndrome. Um, okay. So I'm eliminating that one. Final, final elimination. Um, the toxin one could make sense because of, you know, just like how frogs are in their environment. And if like, I don't know, there's a toxin in the water and they're spending part of their time in the water and it's maybe more concentrated on their legs, I could see where their legs would turn red. Bacterial septicemia turning their legs red doesn't really make sense that it would just be their legs um, and their um, cardiovascular system's not the same as mammals. So I guess, which I guess means Maybe I shouldn't eliminate it, but I'm going to. And then what was the fourth one again? I didn't a like fungal that. infection. A fungal infection. But again, I guess that could also be just on their legs. Um, okay. I'm going to be honest, though. The fact that you said this was your like one of your recent favorites makes me think that it could be a courtship thing. And that I'm, um, um, but if I were taking, if I'm being honest, if I was taking the test, I would eliminate that. Um, so I would probably go with the environmental toxin. Um, but I feel like it's going to be courtship because that's why this is your favorite. Um, okay. 
Environmental toxin, final answer. All right. That's incorrect. Dang it. It's actually, it is bacterial septicemia. What? That one was definitely not on my radar. I didn't like that at all. Is there an explanation for this one? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it the best explanation, oh, but I guess okay. the, the organism in question is uh, Aeromonas hydrophila. Oh, wait, so it's not, it's not any bacterial sepsis. It's a specific bacteria. Well, I'm that's confused. one they say is classically associated with red leg, what they call okay. it. But okay. other organisms have been inc- inc- okay. implicated as well. Okay. Weird. Um, so the condition occurs with poor husbandry, trauma, or immunocompromise. But this, but it is just like bacterial sepsis turns their legs red. That's the whole explanation. <laughs> um, because I said so. <laughs> it was one of those. All right. They're not going to give me yeah. any physiology to explain why that happened. Yeah, uh, not the best explanation. And I got to say, I, I didn't take the time to look further into I know, like classic now, red leg. I think right now, that's my thought. Is like, oh, I'm going to have to look this up later. But if I'm being really honest, I won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I probably not. won't. I mean, let's <laughs> be honest. Um, I won't be sad if somebody else wants to do the, the legwork and send it to me. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, do that. <laughs> um, all right. So my final score was uh, three out of seven. Oh. Okay. You know, that's okay. What's that? 41%. Topher's doing the, the math in his head real quick. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm actually okay with that. Um, because here's yeah, the I mean, other I gotta thing. say for, <laughs> yeah. you really did, you know, better than I did on these questions, seeing them for the first time. You probably so. went through them quicker though too, right? Um, uh, because you were not being recorded doing it and you were probably just yeah. like, boom, boom, boom. But, um, but you know, if you guys and didn't were- get anything out of my test taking strategies, then have at yeah, I, I definitely did for sure. I got to say, these are questions that I got to and, you know, had no idea when I read them. Mm-hmm. So I probably, I know I didn't, you know, sit down in there and kind of rationally go through yeah. it the way that what you did. So I really appreciate having Well, and it doesn't take that long too, right? No, like there are some, like you just go through, I don't dwell on it. Like, I mean, I'm like, I know I don't know the answers for real, but if I can, you know, increase my odds uh, a little bit of maybe getting the right answer, then it's worth taking, you know, I think the way the exam works, I don't remember anymore. It's been a minute since I took the Navli, but, um, do you remember, do they tell you how many questions and, and how, and versus the time? So, you know, like about how much time you should spend per question. Oh yeah. I know they've told us this kind of stuff and it's you probably know, between like one and a half to two minutes per question is, is, yeah, I think it's I think. 60 questions per an hour. I think. Oh, I mean, so I, like a question a minute. Okay. That's pretty quick. I mean, yeah, it's doable, I, but don't quote me on that. You know, if you're, if you're listening and basing your study habits on what I'm saying, I would recommend yeah, that you look into this yeah. further. Yeah. Check, <laughs> um, sure. But you know, I think it's about a question a minute in that, in that so, realm. So 60 questions, is that the whole exam? 60 oh, no, no, they're, they're blocks of 60 questions. Oh, I was like, I feel like maybe my memory is distorted, but I felt like it was more than an hour. I feel like it was yeah. like a four hour exam. Is that right? It's multiple hour exams. Uh, yeah. I think okay. there's like five or six of those blocks Ugh. over the course of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I should know more about the format at this point. I mean, I'm taking it in five or six weeks. So you got some time. But it is important yeah. to think about the format and, and then strategize a little bit, right? Um, you know, those are those are some of the things um, that can help you. But mm-hmm. um, also, don't dwell. Like, if you get to a question and you know the answer, cool. You know, take that and then move on. If you don't know the answer... That's also okay. Um, you know, maybe do a little bit if it works for you to what I did and try to reason through as best you can and then make your choice and move on. Um, you know, so the last thing you want to do is spend a bunch of time on questions that you just don't know and then run out of time to answer stuff you do know. 
For um, sure, yeah. But yeah, I can remember back, I do still remember um, back when I uh, was studying for the exam, my goal, um, I know earlier you were like, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I'm going to share with you guys. My goal when I was studying for Navali was to study just enough so that I would pass, but only barely. I wanted to just barely pass because my thought process was, obviously I wanted to pass, but my thought process was if I, if I did any better on the exam than that, then I wasted a bunch of time. Yeah. And I studied for things because I, I, I didn't really spend a lot of time studying for the small animal stuff because like you, I mean, that was my plan. I was going to go into small animal. I hadn't narrowed it down from there, but I knew small animal. And fortunately for those of us that do small animal, that is the majority of the exam. I think they told us at the time it was like three quarters of the exam was dogs and cats um, or maybe maybe not quite that much. Maybe it was like. 65, 70% of the exam. Um, and then it was like 15% was equine and, and then down from there. And so I was like, well, I've been studying that stuff on clinics for the past year, year and a half, because at Michigan State, we had a year and a half on clinics. And so I, I should know most of these questions. Um, so I focused almost all of my studying on the, the other stuff, right? So, you know, horses, cows, a little bit of birds, pigs. I can't like so much pig diarrhea. I was, I remember studying at the time. And, um, and then of course the questions that stick out on your mind after you take it are the ridiculous ones that you had no idea of. Um, but I have to say, um, back when I took it, I did feel like when the exam was done that the proportions that they told us was reflected in that. I mean, I remember hearing from people saying there was way more pig questions than they told us there was going to be. There was way more horse questions, whatever. And it might feel that way because I think the other thing they do now is they'll put like practice questions or like, um, what do they call them? I don't remember exactly what they call them, but questions that are not validated yet, but they will throw, they'll mix those in and you won't know which ones they are. Um, but some of them, so if you come across something that is actually like just a really poorly written question, it could be that that one's being tested and, and if it performs poorly, then that might get thrown out or edited or updated. So I would probably just tell myself that's what that question was. And that one's not going to count toward my final grade. But, um, but I felt like the exam proportions, like, you know, it probably was pretty accurate, um, reflection of what they told us it was going to be. So as much as I didn't like some of the questions, um, I felt like that part was at least fair. I, I'm going to share with you one question that I still sure. remember. Um, and I, I don't know what the right answer is um, because you don't get to find out, but there was a, a really crummy uh, picture. So it was a picture of a brown paper towel, like the kind that you used in middle school that like absorbed nothing. That's what it looked like. Just a, a generic brown paper towel. And on the paper towel was a picture of some bird poop with a small ring of moisture around said poop. And the question was like something, I, there was probably more information, but basically it was like four options. And it was like, does the bird have polyuria and diarrhea or uh, polyuria and normal stool? Uh, uh, maybe it was like oliguria and diarrhea or so it was like the weirdest question. And I was like, well, I can't answer this question because like, what is the absorbency of the paper towel? How long has the poop been sitting on the paper towel? Like how big was the bird? Like, <laughs> but I was like, who in their right mind thinks that this is a reasonable question? Um, and so I didn't, I didn't spend time reasoning through that one. I just like picked one and skipped it. Like just move on. That was just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the answer was was supposed to be. And like who, who what? It wasn't like it's yeah. been sitting here for 15 minutes or anything like that. I was like, well, 
obviously if that's been sitting there for longer, it's going to look different. Like if that's been sitting overnight, it's going to look different because all that's going to, I don't know. Anyway, that was a super fun, awful question <laughs> that I still, yeah. still remember. Maybe not every detail, but I remember enough of that to be like, what? Well, it's funny. It stuck with you like that. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know the answer either, but you know, I, I feel like that, that question might've been recycled into that prep. It sounds really familiar. Really? Like, I feel like there was oh a, gosh. there's a photo of a very similar looking. Weird. Yeah. Probably somebody had that question was like, I'm, cause I didn't, I didn't do vet prep or Zuku cause I don't think they were things. I think that there was something that some of my classmates did. Um, and it might've been vet prep. Um, I didn't do it. I don't think the Zuku was a thing yet. Um, but I was a cheapskate and I was like, I'm not paying money for this stuff. Um, and I think it's gotten a lot better. I, I think if mm-hmm. I, if it was available to me now, I probably would. Um, cause I think those, those programs are a lot better, but, um, some classmates of mine and I, we, we just, made up a bunch of our own flashcards and kind of would do those practice questions. And then, um, you know, a lot of the professors would do like review sessions and things. And, you know, I mean, fortunately I, obviously I passed, um, and, uh, um, you know, so whatever I did seemed to work or I got lucky, which is also fine. I'm, I was totally okay with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was my goal. I was like, I don't want to overstudy. And then like, if I get like, if I ace this exam, I'm going to be really upset <laughs> because that means I wasted so much time. Because again, whether you pass, like just barely pass or you, you know, ace the test, it doesn't matter. You get, you, mm-hmm. you pass. So, um, yeah, that was my, again, may, maybe, maybe not the right attitude for the exam, but again, I felt like this is, this is the rubber stamp part of this process. Like I, this is not what's going to determine whether or not I'm a good vet. Like that's everything I've done up till now and what I do afterwards. Um, so for those of you who are not good test takers or you're stressing about the NAVLI, um, my, my two cents, uh, for you is know that this is not an accurate reflection of what kind of a veterinarian you're going to be. Um, you know, legally there has to be some sort of licensing to say like, Hey, you've met this minimum standard. Um, but so if you don't pass the first time and you have to take it again, it doesn't mean you're not a good vet and don't let anybody tell you that that's what that means. Um, it, it might mean that you're not as good of a test taker under high stakes circumstances, which again, doesn't, doesn't mean you're not a good vet. Um, similarly passing the boards doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be a good vet, right? Like, you know, it works in both directions. So it's not like, Oh, I passed the boards. Obviously I'm an amazing veterinarian. Like nobody says that nobody talks about it in the, in that way. So the opposite must also not be true. Right. So if passing boards doesn't mean that you're an amazing veterinarian again, and I've never heard anybody try to make that claim, then not passing it doesn't mean that you're not a good veterinarian. So, um, so, you know, go easy on yourselves. Um, and also, you know, be kind to yourselves when you come across these ridiculous questions and, you know, maybe you get some right now and again, and you're like, yeah, go me. Although I would argue that you're going to remember the stuff better if you miss them. <laughs> so oh, that's definitely uh, true. yeah. For sure. So for your studying purposes, missing them is probably more useful than not. Cause I'm pretty sure if like a couple, like a month or so went by and you presented me with those same questions, um, I don't know. My, my overall score might go down. <laughs> I might, I might still miss the ones I got wrong the first time. And I might then talk myself out of some of the ones I did get right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, that's definitely, I think, you know, true, especially going through these like multiple choice questions, one after another, yeah. they do get to the point where it's like, you almost seems like you're seeing the same question yeah. again, yeah. but you know, there's something slightly different. Yeah. And they all kind of blend together. So. Right. Cause isn't that how vet prep does it? It doesn't give you repeat questions if you got it right. Yeah, if you get it correct, I think it just moves on. You know, gotcha. if you get it wrong, it'll show it to you over and over until gotcha. you get it back. Gotcha. So yeah, like guessing right for your studying isn't necessarily a good thing if you're guessing. Yeah, you don't want to do that. I mean, they do give you the option to say, I don't know. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. And then it'll explain it to you. It'll show it to you again, you know, later on okay. down the road. That's kind of um, cool. So if you're like, mm, I don't know, but if I guess wrong, I'm never going to see it again. If you get it yeah. right, does it still give you the explanation? Do you have an option? It does, to- oh, okay. Yeah. That's good at least. So it's nice. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, you know, there's value in maybe assessing how well your guessing is working, you yeah. know, how well your elimination skills are working. Yeah. So but you could do I that usually, yourself, right? You could be like, I would pick yeah. this and then say, I don't know. And then it would tell you the answer. So you that's could sort true. of do that, that I guess. Um, but that is interesting. You said, you know, you identify yourself as, you know, generally a pretty good test taker. Yeah. And I would usually say the same for myself. You know, I feel like I, I don't generally get, you know, test anxiety mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, usually walking in, I, I know whether or not I've prepared, you know, so right. if I feel ready for it. I usually yeah. feel like I've done well. And I usually know um, if I haven't done well, why? Because I didn't yeah. spend the time to, to yeah. prepare. But, you know, that being said, with multiple choice tests, I really do kind of worry sometimes, like, mm-hmm. do I really know this information that well? Or am I just a good test taker? Has the real world, you know, you know? Yeah, I mean, but that's what clinics are for, right? Like, you, they'll they'll let you know if you're, um, if you've just that's been, true, if you've true. just been guessing all along, and you're just like really good at like reading between the lines, even to the point that you're not realizing that's what's happening. Um, I feel like I feel like you would have been told that by now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. But, yeah, but the other thing, oh, the other thing I would point out is when you finish this exam, like when you're done taking the NAVLE, you're going to feel pretty crummy about it. Like you're going to be like, I'm pretty sure I failed that. Um, and I'm pretty sure just about everybody feels that way. There's probably a few people out there who don't and they should keep that to themselves. But, um, but if you feel like you failed, it's probably because the pass rate for this exam is very different than what you're used to. Like you're used to in school, like you're aiming, you know, for in most curricula, you're aiming for A's, right? Um, here at Virginia Tech, it's all pass fail. So it's a little bit different, but um, you're still trying to get as many questions right as you can, because that's what you've been doing through school your whole life, right? An A is 90% or better, a B is 80% or better, 70%. But when you get to these high stakes exams, the pass point might be in the high 60s or low 70s. And so if you walk away from a test and your grade was a 70, you might not be like, yeah, nailed it, <laughs> right? You're, you might not right. feel that great because you you missed 30% of the questions, right? Um, and so you might feel like you did pretty crummy, but you might still have passed. So, um, you know, know that when you're finished with the exam, there's a good chance you're going to be like, ugh, that was terrible. And there were a lot of questions I had no idea with, and I'm pretty sure I failed. And maybe you did, but there's actually a pretty good chance that you didn't. You're just going to feel pretty crummy about it. But for what that's I know worth. That, that's definitely true from, you know, the handful of people I know that have taken yeah. it already. You know, they came out yeah. not feeling great about yeah. it. And, yeah. you know, I've also heard that the people that, that, felt like it went great were usually the ones that ended up failing it. So I don't know how to feel. At yeah. The end of <laughs> I don't remember talking to anybody ever who was like, yeah, I felt great about it, but I would be concerned <laughs> because like, uh, like, how is that? Po- like, I feel like you didn't understand the questions. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so if you, if I would be more concerned if you leave the exam being like nailed it, um, I'd be like, I mean, maybe, maybe you did. Maybe you just, you know, all this preparation was that helpful, but also maybe you, you just, yeah, you misread a bunch of questions. You were delirious. I, I don't know. Um, passed out for half of it. Who, who knows? Um, so don't don't be worried if you don't feel good after the exam. Don't be worried if you feel if you do feel good. You know what? Enjoy enjoy the feeling. Um, and just you know whatever happens when you get the results. I don't know how long it takes them to just turn be around glad the results it's over, now. Really. But exactly, you're like you know what? That's done for now and maybe forever. <laughs> but um, but again, nobody's. I'm. I can tell you right now. I'm not going to judge you if you don't pass boards the first time. How's that? I don't know if that means anything to anyone, uh, but I feel like I'm in pretty good company. I think most people, on one, you're not even going to know, right? Most people, it's not like when you um, apply for jobs, they're going to be like, so 
How many times did it take you to pass boards? They're, they're, nobody's going to ask. They're not going to care. It's not going to follow you around for the rest of your life. So yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. And I would say that's probably the reason I did, you know, invest in vet prep just to prepare yeah. for this. It was kind of like, you know, let me do it right this first yeah. time. And yeah. Try not to get taking it, it, exa- it twice is, yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you I also already just, you know, accepted if, if it does come to the fact that I have to take it again, I'll be okay. Yep. You know, I yep. think just not the end of the world going into it with that um, perspective. And, you know, I've, I've worked with veterinarians that, that took it more than once and, yeah you know for some of the best veterinarians i've ever worked with exactly on so, exactly yeah right. I've, so. I've got the experience to know that it's not yeah. gonna make or break change, for sure so. for sure um but, well good well hopefully we made some listeners feel a little bit better um and maybe a couple people even learned something um I'm yeah sure, you're yeah. welcome you know to have been exposed to these vet prep questions along with us whoop, if, whoop. If yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so uh yeah some of you might have come across those when you were doing your own vet prep um training um or some other things but yeah it, it's it's okay um if you didn't get all of the questions right um because I i'm didn't. yeah i'm pretty sure even if that had been the pa- like i wouldn't have passed the exam if those were the only questions on it that that wouldn't have been good enough i'm pretty confident about that um but my hope is there would have been a bunch of small animal questions that i could have been like nailed it nailed it nailed it you know, so that would have helped. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely some interesting questions. I've already forgotten all of the different E. coli's, um, because it's just not possible. It's just not possible to remember those combinations of, of letters and numbers. Um, but yeah, kudos to you if you're one of those people who, who does know that. And if anybody did know the answer to that question, like I'm, I'm impressed. Um, I'm impressed, but also like get out there and do something else for a while. Um, (laughs) But at any rate, well, Sam, this was really fun, actually. Um, and, you know, I'm glad I wasn't like completely humiliated. Um, I got a couple of them right, which made me feel a little bit better about myself and at least my, my reasoning skills. Yeah, um, no, I think I was glad to see that you got some right. I, I was really was. worried I was going to miss none. And it, it started off pretty rough. So, um, but thanks again. Thanks for the idea. I'm glad that you came on. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this as well. And we will catch you next time. Of course, Dr. Connor, always good to see you. See you next time. Bye-bye.